You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Bringing in Michael Hotard back here for another episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Joining me today is uh, my good friend, Corey Ross, also known as CB Ross. Um, so Corey and I are going to talk a little bit about what he's got going on as well as, uh, some shared mutual interests and things happening in life right now. Uh, but primarily as we dive into this episode, we're going to start and have him kind of tell you guys a little bit about his photography and videography, uh, passion projects, we'll call them. He does some stuff on the side as he is a teacher full time, um, as he, like many others, is navigating through the educational infrastructure during a damn pandemic. Um, but aside from that, uh, one of the things that I'm really excited to dive into him, uh, dive into with him, is parenting during uh, a pandemic as well, uh, because he and I both share that as a as a mutual occurrence. You know, uh, parenting too young. Unruly toddlers at times can be a bit much during a pandemic, so we're going to dive into that, and then uh, we're going to get into some sports talk. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Corey, but before that, here's a message from our sponsor, Cheers for Ears. This episode is sponsored by Cheers for Ears. No Disney trip or Disney theme party is complete without your very own character-customized Mickey ears. That's right. Any theme you want made right into your Mickey ears or Mickey hat. They're festive, fun, and affordable. For my family's next Disney trip, I purchased our very own Mike and Sully themed hats for my son and I. We absolutely love them and will use them for our trips here on out. Get your very own custom ears and let them make your dreams come true so you can look great and live your happily ever after in good fashion for your next trip. Receive 10% off if you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. That's Cheers for Ears. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers for Ears. Visit the information section on the episode or HotardHuddle.com for more information about their social pages and email. Again, Cheers for Ears. Receive 10% off your purchase when you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. So bring some added magic to your next Disney trip with Cheers for Ears. So I'm sitting here with Corey Ross, also known as CB Ross. So Corey, first and foremost, man, uh, you know, we've talked about doing this podcast for a couple of months now. I'm super excited to have you on and just kind of dive into some of the things I alluded to in the introduction here. Uh, So without further ado, my friends, it is my boy, Corey Ross. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, what's going on, man? Stoked to be here. Been real looking forward to this. Been looking forward to doing this for a while now. Hell yeah, man. So we finally got you on. But um, just to start this off, man, let's just talk some business and kind of what you have going on with uh, what you self-proclaimed as more passion projects. Uh, It's not really a full-time gig for you. Um, Similar to what Hotard Huddle is for me, they're strictly passion projects. So you do uh, photography and videography. So let's dive right into that. Tell Tell uh tell the people out there what what they're seeing with you as far as uh your two I guess uh, businesses if you will. Yeah, so it's kind of it, it, it always makes me laugh. So I started photography. Honestly, we'll go all the way back, man. So when I was a kid, uh, this lady lived across the street, 
and her brother lived like moved in with her and he was actually the photographer for pantera so like i'm like a seven or eight year old kid like looking at these like proofs with him who's a professional photographer i like tours with pantera and that's kind of where like photography kind of became a thing i was like that's super sick i want to do that so you know like i skated and rode bmx and stuff like that all like growing up and like we filmed and did all this and that and then just like through injuries between competitive sports and skating and all that kind of stuff, man, like, uh, I just got more behind the camera. And then uh, right around senior year, my mom got me a camera, and it just kind of started from that, man. It's like a little crappy point-and-shoot, and, like, I took that thing everywhere, man. I just <laughs> shot every everything you could think of, man, I was taking pictures of, and uh, just kind of started from there. And um, as I, I got more into it, I uh, I really got into the graffiti scene. Uh, there was a, a, a forum back in the day, and I won't reveal the name of the forum just for identity's sake, but like there was a, a big graffiti forum, and I kind of started there and uh, direct messages of like, hey, like there's this school out in New Orleans East, like there's a couple pieces, you should go shoot it, and I would just kind of go out there and start, and that's where I got the name Siggy too. Uh, so well, I've played video games forever, and my, uh, my, my gamer tag is Siggy Num Num. Um, my brother's friend screamed that out one night years ago. I thought it was hilarious and just kind of took it. And uh, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be doing graffiti stuff, man, like I need to come up with some kind of like tag handle that I can go by. So I was like, I'll put Siggy to the photographer. I can't draw to save my fucking life. So I'm going to make sure they know I'm just a photographer. I'm not a painter. And it just kind of started from there, man. And, uh, you know, I, I, from there I shoot car shows and skateboarding and BMX and, uh, just graffiti and all this, that kind of stuff. And, uh, I mean, I've done that. I've, I've kind of been under that handle for Jesus. I'm going to date myself here probably 13 years. And, uh, within the past two years, I was like, you know what? Like I should probably like stop being a little bitch and like step up and like do like some other fancy stuff. So I came up with CB Ross photography and, uh, with that, I shoot weddings and family events and family portraits and all of that fancy kind of pretty stuff. So, like, just to kind of give you an idea, like, right now, I have two projects open on my laptop. I mean, on my desktop. I have a skateboard competition that I went and shot yesterday. And then I have my video editing software set up on the other side because I'm making a wedding video for my friends that are getting married in a week. So, just to kind of show you how I juggle both of these. But, uh, but yeah, man, no, definitely passion projects. I mean, like you said, I'm a full-time public school future I, i'm a dad so like i don't have that much time but when i do i try to devote it to doing something creative like you know taking pictures or out filming man doing something fun like that well dude it's super important and i've talked about this with other guests of mine who have come on here and have similar interests as far as passion projects go you know um it's 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 a big deal to just kind of keep those creative juices flowing when well, you know, when you have something that you're you're passionate about, whether it's some sort of art form or for me, like writing, even creating videos to some degree, it, it's it's very important to keep those those creative juices flowing. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm not doing it, I just feel like I'm wasting time. And whether it blows up or not, whether I get to a point where I'm making even side money off of this project, great. But if it doesn't, it's it's still fun to me to look at four years worth of work, whether I've made money off of it or not, and just sit back and be like, damn, like I've come a long way. This is pretty cool for personal growth reasons. So 
It's, uh, you know, and I, I just have a lot of respect for other people who are out there just kind of putting themselves out there to some degree because you know as well as I do, you put your own work out there, you're opening the floodgates to all kinds of criticism. Oh, dude, absolutely. You know, and it's, I've like you said, like I have a, a, a massive hard drive here with photos that I shot in high school all the way to photos that I, I took yesterday. And it's like, it's super fun to go through it. You're right. And like, see that, that growth. Um, and yeah, dude, I mean, it's whether I'm, I'm, if I can't take pictures like with COVID, dude, like I, yesterday was probably, I think it was the second time that I've gone out to go shoot photos since this all, this whole thing started. But like, so I've started messing around cause I, I being like as you said earlier like massive sports fan i play a lot of golf because i can play 18 holes and i'm gonna die when i'm done <laughs> but like because of injuries and stuff man you know what it's like but like i'll so like i'll start i've started building golf clubs like i've i've researched way too much into that so like i'll build golf clubs i started making scorecard holders i started making ball markers like it's like what you said dude like if i'm not doing something creative like i i get like this uh i like the jitters man like i just kind of get like just edgy and, and and jittery and i need to get that out, you know? And that's kind of where, you know, that's, that's where it's all going. Just something creative. I just want to make stuff because it's fun. Well, dude, <laughs> you it be- know, it becomes almost therapeutic, like with writing. And I've alluded the, to this many times, uh, in several blogs, I write about sports. I write about politics. I write about family. I write about everything under the sun because I'll just get this idea in my head and it just, I have to put pen to paper essentially. So by doing that, it just kind of, it kind of alleviates those thoughts in my head, which, I mean, if you're like me, like, my brain just goes a mile a minute sometimes, and I'm just like, okay, cool, time to write and get this out. Like, you know, from one of my favorite columns that I've started is something I I work on every week during the NFL season, it's the Monday Not-So-Morning Thoughts, and a big reason for that is because, you know, one of my... One of my favorite industries is the NFL. One of my favorite products to watch is the NFL. And each Sunday, I'm watching these games. I'm going through Red Zone. I'm playing fantasy. I'm seeing all these storylines develop. And every single Sunday, I'm like, oh, God, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. So come Monday, it's like, all right, cool. Let's just condense it all into one and give brief synopsis on how I feel about some of the things going on. And... um you know, it just it just helps to get that out. So once you start talking about like passion projects, stuff like that, I get it 100%. But one of the things I think that's really cool, I think about what you're doing is you're kind of living this this double agent life because on one hand, you're engulfed into that whole punk rock scene, if you will, um, because with the graffiti art, the skateboarding, the BMX, just those things. And then you're turning around, now we're going to dress up and go shoot some weddings or whatever the case may be. I think that's really cool. Um, but sticking with um, with Siggy too, so, you know, one of, the, one of my favorite forms of art, honestly, is graffiti art. I think it's a very cool concept. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of it, obviously, in most cities and even... You know, some people have sort of embraced the culture of putting a mural on the side of a building that's been graffitied, um, which I think is really cool because if you just – on the surface, of course, people vandalize with the use of graffiti, but there's a lot of it that just is really cool, really good messaging. But uh, talk about, I guess, how you kind of 
what's kind of sparked the interest from the graffiti art standpoint and being able to just kind of showcase some of the stuff you've seen around different cities like New Orleans? So I've never been able to draw. Like I have an older brother and as a kid, like he could draw. I've always wanted to. I dude, I, I never could. So it's, it was one of those things like, you know, when people say they draw, they take the image in their head and they put it on paper. So a lot of graph writers, you know, a lot of painters, a lot of writers, that's the same concept. They look at a wall, they have a style, they have their name, and they can put it out there. And I never could. But, like, I just always liked the, the art behind it. It was just impressive. It was, uh, again, like, it's just, like you said, I mean, yeah, like, it picked me out 100%. I'm, like, this grown-up teacher with, that's got little punk rock kids still stuck inside of them. So it's, it's you know, I'm listening to the loud and angry punk rock music to go teach my eighth graders, you know? I mean, <laughs> so it's it's like that that, that same kind of concept with, uh, with graffiti. And it, it, it's a subculture, and it's got its own laws. So, like, it's frowned upon for somebody to go paint on the front of an open business like that's considered they call that that, that's toy like you don't do like that's some toy shit like you don't do that that's like a scrub kind of stuff you know like that's frowned upon in, in the graffiti community like that shit doesn't fly and so like that just kind of culture man there's just so many different rules and things like that and I don't know. So it's like you have these guys doing this incredible stuff. A lot of times in these abandoned buildings that never see the light of day. So I was always like, you know what? Like people need to see this and I'll be that person. So it took a long time to kind of break into the community because especially back in the day at this particular website, you'd have cops go come on all the time. It was actually the way it works is if they catch you, let's say you, they catch you in the middle of a piece and they read your name, every other in the city that has that name on it, you're getting charged with. Mm. So people were like super secretive. So it was just like, it took a little while to kind of build some trust and stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, man, like I said, just being able to showcase like what these people do is, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just always thought that was super cool. And honestly, one of the main reasons I started is because I was like, all right, like I could sit here and shoot this, shoot this piece all day until I'm happy with the photo. There's nobody's expectation. Nobody's standing there waiting for me to shoot it. It's just me. And that's kind of one of the, another reason why I really enjoyed it. Cause like, it was just me. I could take these photos as long as I needed to. And now it did, you know, it just took all that pressure off of me. So I guess moving moving forward and outside of the graffiti, another thing you kind of got engulfed with was the the BMX and uh, skateboarding and stuff like that, which is how I pretty much connected with you because one of the guests that I previously had on here, Ross Coulon, who used to own a drop-in BMX um, and skate shop in Kenner, he had come on as a guest and he had texted me, after he had done his episode, he was like, dude, my buddy Corey would be a really good guest for you. Um, hit him up. And, of course, I texted you as soon as I got your number. We've been kind of talking ever since. And, I mean, if for those who follow the podcast, they, I mean, it's been, it's been several months since Ross was on here. So we've kind of developed a friendship since then. Um, but that's kind of where I first heard about you. So... Um, you know, talk about some of the projects you've done in terms of, uh, BMX and, uh, uh, skateboarding and stuff like that. Like you just shot an event, you said, uh, this past weekend. So uh, let's dive into that. How did that whole thing get started as well? So 
growing up, like I said, like, like I started playing competitive sports when I was six. By the time I was like eight or nine, I was like, yo, like skating and stuff is super sick too. So I'm going to do that also. <laughs> so like I grew up, like I rode BMX, I skateboarded, I rollerbladed. Cause like when I was, we were kids, man, cause you and I are like the same age. Like there was this like sweet spot for like four years where like rollerblading caught on and then like it died off. So there's like a small population of people. And I was like one of those people on the inside, but like there was, cause there's always like this beef between skateboarders and rollerbladers. But like growing up, one of my best friends rode BMX, one skateboarded, I rollerbladed. We had this group of dudes down the street that all rode BMX. They were older than us, but like, we all just like rolled out and like would go skate and session a spot. So it just like started from there. And, uh, yeah, man. And just like I said, like kind of with graffiti and then like a shot with a bunch of the rollerbladers in, in new Orleans, again, a super small population. We're all about the same age. Cause we all kind of caught that bug when we were kids and then it died off. But like, we were just kind of left on that Island and, uh, started with them. And then it just kind of branched off, man. You know, I, uh, my brother-in-law skateboards and one time we went out to parasite and i'm like all right and went brought out my camera and just kind of started talking to people out there and just kind of started linking up like yo let's go shoot a photo let's go get this and this and that and uh and then i was like oh i kind of started doing some filming aspects of it and that stuff's like super fun again it's just like a different kind of creative energy you know like when you shoot you're capturing a like a, a moment in time like a snapshot and when you're videoing, especially like skating or BMX, like you're capturing, like you're capturing somebody's energy, man. Like you're capturing like their vibe, like their style. Like, and it's, it's just, it's kind of cool to take like somebody's style and like see that in a video. So it all started, you know, actually my wife and I were driving past Ross's shop and I was like, you know what, let me go in there and talk to this dude. See if he's got anybody shooting photos with him so, and in there. And I was kind of rapping out with him and talking and, Turns out, man, he was best friends with a little brother, like my like, I mean, the little brother of one of my best friends growing up. And like, all of a sudden, I realized like I've known Ross since he was like this seven year old little kid that we would build these huge ramps and he'd still huck himself off of it. Dude, it was incredible. And, uh, <laughs> oh, dude, it was so funny. Kid was fearless. But uh, yeah, man, and it started from there. And, and I just started shooting with Ross. And then uh, you know, there was a couple skaters on the team, and I started filming parts with them. There's kid Otis Duncan. Kid rips. Go need to go find him on Instagram. Kid's absolutely insane. And just his progression. You know, he skated for the shop. I filled two two parts with him. Um, Ron and I did a project that he put out. It was strictly black and white all in the city. I think that was so much fun. Um, and then I did another. I called it uh, Toast Hot as Fuck. This was a summer video from last year. Um, and it was just, a, yeah, just a bunch of the homies just, like, going out and just, like, having fun during the summer and skating and just catching that man is so those have been like those big video projects that i've done like that's just a passion project man those are just so much fun to do dude i'll bet i mean when uh, you know when i was talking to ross about extreme sports uh just kind of reverting back here because i don't want to i don't want to miss this point of it but you talked about how there was always you know whenever you talk to anyone growing up around our age in the 90s like the punk scene was huge um skateboarding x games you know, BMX, all these things were so huge because they were on the forefront of sports. They were so popular. I was talking to Ross about this. Like, dude, we always knew that one kid in class who brought the little finger skateboards, the tech decks, um, and would just sit there at his desk fucking playing with that all day and, of course, pissing off the teacher. Um, you know, the, the, the movie Brink, obviously, is... Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the beef between skateboarders and uh, inline skaters, and it's funny because in the first ten minutes of that movie, 
of course, uh, good old Soul Skaters Team Pup and Suds plays a uh, plays a prank on Team X Blades and says that they were talking shit about some skateboarders, and of course, the skateboarders go over there and want to kick the shit out of all of them during their photo shoots. So um, that beef was real, man. And uh, you know, for me personally. I was telling Ross this, like I did, I did uh, rollerblading when I was a kid. Like I was big into that. I got, I did that, like you said, for probably three or four years before I finally just quit. Um, I, I did get a uh, BMX bike. I mean, I think every kid had some form of BMX bike. Wasn't very good at that. Um, aside from being able to bunny hop, that was pretty much the extent of what I could do on there. Um, and then, of course, building ramps, stuff like that, like used to do that, but there was never any tricks involved. It was pretty much like, okay, get from point A to point B and not die here. So, <laughs> um, but there was that. But as far as skateboarding goes, dude, like I was out. Like I remember, uh, you know, I had friends that, of course, skateboarded. And when they'd bring their skateboards over, I just remember trying to ride and do, just even do an ollie. Like I just could not fucking do it. So, that my idea of skateboarding was finding a really big hill, sitting on it, and just going down. And buttboarding, man, absolutely. <laughs> like I just, dude, when it came to skateboarding, like just didn't have the athleticism or the balance to pull it off. So it was pretty much rollerblading, riding bikes, and uh, you know, staying the hell off of skateboards and watching my friends do all that shit. <laughs> Like I said, man, it's just like growing up, like we just cycled through it. Like where I grew up, I grew up in Harahan. So like on the other side of the levee, we had the Imperial Trails, which like a lot of pros actually came through and rode. So like I grew up watching that and like I rode BMX for a while, like doing dirt jumps and stuff. And then like I skateboarded too and like messed around on curbs and stuff. And then like with rollerblading, I was probably like one of the better things I was like, I was good. I wasn't scared of anything, dude. I would jump off anything. I would like, I learned how to do rails, like. I was going in on it, and uh, right around the time I stopped, it was just like I had a bunch of injuries from football and skating and all this kind of stuff, and I was just like, all right, like, this is like kind of that fork in the road kind of thing. Like, I can continue down this and probably really hurt myself, which, like, I still want to really skate, or, like, I can, I need to put some of this on the back burner and, like, go do some other stuff, but, like, I can still be involved in it. And that's kind of where the photography thing came in, because, like, up to this point, I broke in my right wrist twice, my left wrist, like I shattered my left wrist. I, I have two, like I, I tore ligaments in my ankles. I had broken ribs, um, broke my nose. Like I just done all this stuff. So you're just kind of like, I was at that crossroads and I just, I guess like I, I just had to kind of go the other way from it and kind of more do it behind the camera rather than in front of it. But I mean, I'm still like, I'm still super stoked to be like on sessions and go out and go film and like still have that energy of like going to hype somebody up to like do a trick. Like that's so much fun. Oh, and to your point real quick, you said the tech deck thing. I may not confirm nor deny the fact that I may have an old tech deck sitting on my computer desk right now. And <laughs> solid. That's freaking solid. I think I, dude, I was walking through target. Um, you know, prior to the pandemic with uh, my family. And, dude, I remember seeing the a mini ramp with a couple of tech decks, and I was just like, holy shit, like, this is still a thing? That is dope. So, um, but, yeah, like, dude, I remember there was one kid in, like, fourth grade, third and fourth grade, and that's, dude, he used to bring them all the time and used to just freaking sit in class and play with those. But um, one of the most gruesome injuries you mentioned that long list of them you know i was fortunate enough to 
be fairly injury free for most of my life. You know, in fact, I didn't break a bone until I was 20, I believe. So, um, I was very fortunate when it came to sports and stuff like that. But one of the, one of the worst I had seen, um, you know, was someone trying to jump a ramp and the ramp gave out on his, and he was rollerblading and dude just falls forward, smashes his face off the pavement, gets up he had a bloody nose, and then both of his front teeth were chipped, and I was like, oh, shit. Um, that was probably the worst I had seen, and even then, like, it's it's child's play compared to some of the shit you see on, like, YouTube, and dude, like, even, I, I'm sure you remember the show Scarred on MTV. I used to watch that late at night all the time and just cringe every single time, and I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, I'm I've seen some injuries. Like I said, I mean, even my list isn't that bad. You know, I mean, I've seen, I was in Austin a couple, two years ago, three years ago, I was at a big skate park called House Park. I rolled up. I was like, hey, what's going on, guys? I'm a photographer from New Orleans. I'm going to shoot something. They're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And this kid goes to Ollie, this big set, sticks it, puts his arm out, dislocates his elbow, and it goes down to like in the middle of his forearm. Oh, my God. I was like, whoa, all right. So like they had to call an ambulance. And then actually at that same park, Two years ago, they had a there's a, a big contest called Born and Raised every year. Uh, professional BMX from team Chase Hawk puts it on, and he alternates between Austin and then he goes out to California, I believe San Diego. Anyway, we all went out. It was me and Ross, and then my brother-in-law Tyler, who also helped film uh, for Drop In, and we were there. And there was a guy there riding the bull, and he aired up and cased it so like he clipped his back tire and went down and knocked himself out to mm. the point of like. He, like, pissed himself, like, knocked himself out. Jesus like, it Christ. was, that was probably the gnarliest thing I've ever seen. Like, I've seen some slams, but, like, that, you were all just like, oh, shit. So, like, people got down there and, like, kind of just held him still. They had to call it EMT. Like, it was, like, that was gnarly. And, like, you don't really know how to act when that happens. Like, there's no, like, your body just kind of, like, stops. You're like, whoa. Yeah. So I need to make sure that dude's okay. And, uh, but, yeah, like I said, I mean, I've definitely seen, definitely seen some gnarly injuries over the years but you know that's kind of the nature of the beast with it really well dude anytime you talk about somebody getting knocked out and just going limp and unconscious dude that's scary every single time Uh, you know um i've seen that happen a couple of times when i was you know video in college football because i worked for nichols football program for four years so i saw guys get knocked out uh, it didn't happen often, but dude, anytime that happens, it's always just a heart sink, like, oh fuck type of moment, just because, dude, it's it, it's never, never a heartwarming sight when you just see someone's body essentially go lifeless on them, and you're just sitting there wondering, like, oh fuck, like, what's gonna happen? Like, there's just, there's no way to process that information without freaking out. Like, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's scary, and it's one of those things. And maybe it's just like the teacher inside of me, where like something bad happens, and like you have to block that up, and you have to be like calm in the moment. You can freak out later, but like right now, you have to be chill. Right. And I feel like that's kind of what happened. Like a kid went down, and everybody was like, like everybody, like, dude. There was probably three hundred people at this thing, and everybody just kind of stopped. And like again, like just like that calmness went over, and I was like, somebody needs to make sure that kid's okay. I mean, he, the kid couldn't have been more than, like, maybe 18 or 20. Like, somewhere in that range. Like, not an older dude. And, uh, like I said, I mean, by the the EMTs got there, like, kid was awake. He was talking to them. Like, feet and arms were moving and stuff. But, like, yeah, dude, it is it is scary when you see that. And like I said, it's after 
when you realize everything's okay, then like that block come that comes off and you're like, Holy shit, that was really scary. Like that could yeah. be really, really bad. Like it kind of puts it all in perspective, you know? Right. And dude, I mean, when you talk about the, the dangers of extreme sports, I mean, Ross and I had a long conversation about this. Um, just cause dude, I mean, you, you land these new tricks or you like people see these new spots, whether it's a certain flight of stairs or whatever the case may be. And it's like, okay, I'm going to master this until I get in. Normally, you know, it's a lot of trial and error and it's a lot of falling. So one of the things he and I kind of talked about, uh, when I had him on was, you know, the more you do it, the more you just kind of learn how to fall. You got to learn how to just kind of catch yourself almost uh, if that's the right way to describe it but i mean anytime you're going and getting big air trying something new man that's i mean well that's the adrenaline of it that's why people do it because it's exciting because it's extreme because it's dangerous and you know people like that adrenaline rush and it definitely has its risks oh yeah 100 percent. and yeah you do like it's it's exactly to what ross said you learn how to fall like you learn if you go to fall you don't extend your arm straight up because that's how you dislocate an elbow right break your or separate your shoulder you put you know you have that bet so you kind of land and roll and yeah you know and a lot of times you're right when you see a new spot it's one of those things like chances like you don't have many opportunities like you're either gonna land it or you're gonna slam and not want to do it again so yeah it's just kind of committing that's a hard thing too it's just going right here i'm gonna do it and you just have to commit because most of the time it even hurts when you don't commit you know just like in football you don't commit to a hit you're gonna end up getting hurt it's yep. the same concept when you're skating 100 percent, dude um so uh, you know diving away from the uh from the extreme sports side of it so of course let's dive into um cb ross photography so you started getting into uh the more the more uh We'll call it, uh, for lack of a better term, the higher class form of videography, the ritzy form of videography and photography. But uh, you start CB Ross to kind of start doing um, family events like weddings. So what kind of brought that on? You know, how did that come to be? Was it a friend that just kind of asked you to do it and it just trickled into more? Or was it something you just kind of decided to jump into on your own? So I'd always thought about it, you know, but it was scary because the way I always look at it, like, again, like, you know, I shot skateboarding, all this kind of stuff. So if somebody's trying a trick, they're going to have at least four or five attempts. So one of the photos, like the photo I may use may not be the one you landed, but it was the best looking photo and you landed it so we can use it. When you're shooting a wedding, they kiss at the front once. (laughs) They walk down the aisle once dude you don't have a second opportunity and that scared the crap out of me for the longest time and it was one of those things i was like you know what like i really want to do this as like a second job and who knows what could happen in the future if it moves into full-time or not but like it'd still be a fun side hustle so actually what i did is i hit up the photographer that shot my wife and i's wedding and i was like yo look i'm sure you have a second shooter but would you mind if I just like piggyback shot with y'all one time? Like you don't have to pay me. Like I just want to shoot. I just want to get the experience. She was like, absolutely. Any questions you have, I'm here. Let's do this. And she let me go on and shoot and like, let me like when she was done shooting, she like, let me set the groom and the bride up and like do this really cool shoot. I realized that shooting a wedding is the exact same thing as managing a classroom. You have to use your teacher voice sometimes. You have to make sure people are in the right spots all the time. It's kind of crazy, and it's honestly shooting, like, gaming and stuff, 
made shooting weddings easier because when I'm shooting skating, I have to be in the way without being in the way. I got to be close to the trick, but not to where I'm going to get smoked in the face if right. you bail. And it's the same thing with a wedding. Like I need to be close enough where I can catch this moment, but not where I get picked up by the videographer or it looks all goofy for everybody else and I distract everybody. Right. And yeah, man. So shooting that, I was just like, you know, like, dude, I was, I recall my wife when I was done, dude, I was wasn't like it felt like i like seriously it felt like i just gone skating like i was i was super hyped and i was like i want to keep doing this like that was super cool that was awesome that was so much fun and like it gives a different creative outlet where i can position and and give direction to people to make this photo that they'll use forever they'll look back on as on their wedding day and like that was super cool and um I just, you know, I kind of wanted to be able to do that. And then honestly, having my daughter got me good with shooting families and stuff because like, I mean, the second my daughter was born, like my camera was in my hand and I shot all the damn time. I mean, I always took pictures. So you kind of get used to that. And I was like, all right, like this, like I could probably do some family shoot. Like, I think that'd be really fun. It's kind of started from there, man. And I've done a handful of family shoots. I've done some front porch project shoots. Like I said, I mean... I shot this skate contest yesterday and in two weeks I'm shooting my friend's wedding. Like they're getting married, they're getting married in Washington, but they're going to have this big reception and I'm shooting all of that. So it's, you know, it it was just, I don't know, like it was just something else maybe that I hadn't done before. And I just wanted to, because I felt like, all right, like I've shot pictures long enough. Like I, I I can do this. Like It'll be all right. And I just kind of jumped both feet in and, and here we are, you know, dude, that's sick. So, um, kind of unpacking everything we that you just said there so first and foremost you know uh my experience so uh, being able to shoot videos stuff like that i actually had a uh like close family friend slash relative uh ask me if i would want to shoot a, a wedding for them at first and if not what was a good recommendation and you know when they asked me i'm like uh no, I'm not going to be the one that fucks up your wedding. <laughs> Just because kind of that process, man. Right. Like same thing as you. So I, dude, I totally understand that. And then, um, you know, I actually referred them to the people who shot mine. I actually had, uh, Stacy and Ashley Marks shoot my wedding. Um, they, you know, Stacy did the photography. His wife, Ashley did the, uh, did the videography and uh, dude, I love the way, you know, our wedding came out and everything, but you know, you talked about uh, having to kind of use your teacher voice a little bit. So it was it was funny. Like I'll never forget this to this day. Uh, my my best one of my best friends, uh, my buddy Kurt, was the best man in my wedding. And we get to the reception. We had it at the balcony, and we're pigging out upstairs as they have food set out for us. And Stacy's trying to round up everyone for the for the group pictures, um, which obviously you know well enough about um he's rounding us up and it's just not happening like he you could tell he's getting visibly frustrated um and like i'm i'm getting frustrated a little bit because he's getting frustrated because i know he's trying to get other stuff done so i'm just like all right like will you guys hurry the fuck up and get over here and kurt i see kurt over at the buffet he stuffs his face and he comes walking over with food in his mouth i'm like Hurry up and chew your fucking food and get over here for the damn picture. 
And um, so, like, we finally knock it out. But, yeah, dude, like, it's it's certainly a job, and it's not an easy one. Um, but, yeah, man, going into, going into weddings, that's definitely a big step. So, um, well, one of the things I think is really cool, though, is, you know, you went to your, your wedding photographer, as you said, and just kind of asked to piggyback, which is great because I'm sure that's, you know, one, it doesn't really put anyone out. Um, but who who was your photographer? Oh, Susie G Photography. She is absolutely incredible. A super sweet lady. She's actually from Lake Charles and, like, has been dealing with a bunch of the hurricane stuff. Like, she lives kind of out in the woods or whatever. They had a tree fall in their house. So if anybody does need photography work, weddings, whatever, Susie G Photography is absolutely incredible and an absolute sweetheart of a lady. So, absolutely shout her out she's an amazing photographer dude that's freaking awesome so well getting uh getting into some side stuff here that we said we would talk about um you know and you've already mentioned this that you know you have you have a two-year-old daughter uh i have a three-year-old son and you know one of the things we've been kind of connecting on and talking about is just you know dealing with toddlers which is of course, an adventure in and of itself. And then when you throw in, you know, a pandemic, I'll just kind of set this up. And obviously there's a year age gap. So there's a lot of development that happens really within the first five years. And each year is just so drastically different and things change in what seems like two seconds. But with with my son, you know, so when this pandemic hit, you know, he's He's approaching the two and a half mark, um, and it's it was tough for him to kind of grasp the idea of a pandemic and everything that's going on. We tried to explain it to him in um, in you know the simplest terms imaginable because you know that he's he's two and a half. He's fragile. He doesn't know what's going on. He's um, he doesn't understand why we can't go to the store like we used to because, like, dude, one of our biggest things in our routine was every Friday once uh, my wife got home from work, we'd go to the grocery store, do our grocery shopping. If we wanted to go browse around a store, we'd go, you know, hang out at Target, go browse around like the basic white bitches that we are. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'd go do that and, you know, explaining to him, like, why he couldn't do that, why he couldn't go to daycare and just all these different things. Um, and then him staying home, not being able to get the same interactions with kids, all these things, it just, it took a toll on him, um, you know, emotionally. Like, I, I was honestly, I was a little concerned when we sent him back to daycare because by that point, he had already been home for so many months. And, you know, my wife was working from home. I'm working from home. So it was, he's home, but he's not getting the same level of interaction throughout the day. Like it's pretty much like, okay, you know, like play with your toys. And of course it wasn't like we stuck him in a room and abandoned him, but it was that, you know, there wasn't that, Oh, this super close interactive relationship that he was used to seeing whenever he'd come, come home from daycare. So it started taking that emotional toll on him and dude, it was, it was rough for a while, and then once he went back to daycare, like things kind of changed rather quickly. He was back to, you know, the normal self because when he'd come home, well, mommy and daddy were all his. Um, so it was interesting. And then, dude, throwing the pregnancy for um, a second child, man, like it's 
it, it's been a freaking it's been a battle i couldn't <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine that dude good lord could not imagine that right now <laughs> But oh you, my god! But you, you know, you and I were kind of talking, and you were home with uh, your daughter. You said for five months, and um, you know, just kind of let's dive into that. You know, what some of the things that you kind of experienced with being home with her for five months straight? So I mean, like you said, like my daughter's just, like she turns two in December, so she's like almost there. So when this started, what she was a year and some change. So like. She wasn't to that point where, like, we had to explain, like, oh, you're not going to Miss Tori's today. Like, you're just going to stay with me because, like, the school I was at, the it was a relatively low socioeconomic area. So barely any of the kids. I think in the 55th graders that I taught, I think, like, eight of them actually had some sort of electronic device to do class breaks. So, like, I was uploading work, but, like, that was pretty much the extent of it. Like, there wasn't much else I could do. I was, like, emailing parents, trying to get them to help do stuff. So pretty much it was just me and my kid hanging out. But, you know, so it was at that age. I mean, she still is like super heavy on the routine. So, dude, it was Groundhog's Day. We would get up every day. Like, I swear to God, my kid's a clock. 8.15, she was awake. We would eat breakfast at like 9. She would chill till 10.45 and take a nap. She would wake up at like 45 minutes on the dot, my dude. On the dot. I swear to God, like this kid seriously is like a clock. We would hang out, she would eat lunch, she would play, take afternoon nap, she'd wake up, my wife would get home, and we would rinse and repeat every day. Now, what was really cool, and like, looking back, because actually I did photo document a lot of that as we went, like, looking back at the photos of her when this started, and looking at her now, there's been an absolute explosion, like, her hair is so much longer, she is saying so many more words, it is, like, her vocabulary has gone through the roof and like you said i mean there's so much development especially kind of between like now and like four or five like they become an actual human yeah and uh oh dude it's insane but you know i mean it was just it was really cool though like the fact that i got to hang out with my daughter every day was it was amazing like i mean that's like i wanted a a daughter and i'll give you a little bit of tidbit on information like i wanted a girl so bad my great-grandfather came here from scotland like i we didn't realize this my grandfather passed away we were going through like you know guys we were going through stuff what about great-grandfather's naturalization paper so i'm only third generation in this country oh wow there's never there's never been a ross girl born in america everybody that's been born between my great-grandfather got here to now has been boys my daughter is the first ross girl born in america so that's that's insane Oh, dude, like, and yeah, like, I, and the thing is, man, I don't know if this happened to you, I turned into a bitch when I had a kid. Like, I <laughs> never cried, ever. Dude, I cry all the damn time now. It is, like, it, it's so bad. Like, Coco, you watch Coco? You have a, you watch Coco? You've seen I, that movie? I haven't seen it yet, no. I've, I've dude, been late that, on that train. It's an incredible movie, animation-wise. Phenomenal. It is a beautiful movie, and it punches you in the face in the end, and I cry every damn time. Dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm a little brother. I learned not to cry at an early age, and I cry all the damn time. That little girl has made me soft, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I, uh, you know, when it comes to movies and stuff like that, like, I've always been very open, I guess, emotionally, at least in the privacy of my own home. So, like, dude, I'll watch Disney movies, and I'm, like, sitting there bawling my eyes out. Like, dude, like, even, even Disney World, so I know you're a big Disney fan, um, mm-hmm. that's also one of the things we've kind of discussed, but like, 
Like, dude, the other day I was watching uh, Happily Ever After, the fireworks show, and I'm just sitting there with Finn and um, just sitting there watching that one morning before I had to take him to daycare. And, like, dude, just hearing that, I'm just like, damn it. Like, here we go. This is not how I wanted to start my morning. Um, But, no, I mean, even before then, though, like, even before kids, like, there are certain triggers for sure, but... uh, no, it's funny. Like I'm, I feel like I'm kind of the opposite, and there may be other opinions on this, but quite frankly, I don't care. Um, when so when my daughter was born, you know, of course the one thing I kept hearing is, uh, "Dude, when you see that girl, she's gonna wrap you around your finger." Um, and right now, like honestly, I I don't think it's much different. Like I still. Like, I, of course, I love both of my children, but it's not this same, like, smitten energy that people describe when they have their first daughter. And, you know, uh, of course, that could change once I actually have to start disciplining her because that's when the true test comes. Um, but, you know, as of now, I just don't see it. And again, maybe that changes in, you know, another two years when I actually have to start being like, no, I can't do that. Am I going to, you know, be like, uh, don't care what your mom says. <laughs> Let's just do this, you know, daddy, daughter, you know, whatever. But, um, no, it, it's fun, man. Being a being a dad is obviously like one of the biggest blessings, one of the greatest gifts that, you know, you could be given as a it's as a as a boy or as a man um but you know one of my favorite stories and i've shared this on the podcast a couple of times uh just kind of going back to navigating through this pandemic as a as a father with with my son you know we had to explain to him that a virus was going around right so um and of course he doesn't know what that means and when we told him virus for whatever reason, the first thought that popped into his head was diarrhea. So, <laughs> well, oh my god! So when and he still says it to this day. And this is you know seven, eight months later when he when we start talking about Target or anything like that, he's like, "Can't go to Target. Diarrhea is going around." <laughs> So that's his thing. He just so for the rest of his life until he gets to a cognitive age where he understands what COVID is, you know, for for a long time he's going to think that diarrhea is going around, and that's gonna just be one of those funny stories that I get to tell him. So if uh, obviously there's nothing positive about what's going on in the world right now, but if I can take something away from it to just look back on and just be like, hey Finn. 15 years old, you know, you thought diarrhea was going around for a good, however long this pandemic lasts. Oh my God, dude, stop. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So, um, that is one of the things that I will remember. And I definitely will bring up to him once he kind of cognitively can understand, uh, what this pandemic is. But, um, you know, one of the things that and that I don't think it's talked about. Um, and, you know, you mentioned your daughter being on a strict routine. Finn, because of my wife and the way she is, 
Um, she's very she's very type A personality. So everything's about routine and kind of the same thing with both of our kids. Like we're very strict about their routine. And if I even do something to throw off the routine, my wife's like, yo, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so Yeah, I'll feel that. So um, both of them are on a strict routine. But like being home um, – with with my son when I'm trying to get work done, when my wife's trying to get work done, you know, one of the things that happens is I, you know, there's been times where I'm just frustrated. I've lost my temper and stuff like that. And you feel bad, like, or at least I did, because I'm just like, ah, uh, like after I like was like, Finn, can you stop or like fussed at him or anything like that? There was always that just instant regret after of like, he doesn't understand what's going on. He thinks he's home, mommy and daddy can play, like he can't cognitively understand all this. So there there was that kind of, that tough part where it's like, okay, I need to think about how I'm communicating with him, you know? So it's yeah. just, dude, it's 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 been quite the adjustment for sure, at least for me. Yeah, man, no, and to that point, you know, and I'll talk about this, like I have anger problems. Like I went through therapy for quite a while, like dealing with anger issues and kind of came out when I stopped playing football because I played football since the time I was six and I stopped playing like sophomore year. I had a couple injuries and stuff like that. Like I had surgery on my hand and I had like, I think that year I had like two concussions that season. Like it was just, so I ended up kind of popping and like, I kind of saw more of an anger kind of start coming out. So I went through therapy and kind of dealt with that. And it's one of those things, man, that kind of stuff, like anger, depression, all that kind of stuff, it just, it never goes away. Like you always kind of have that in the back of your brain. Like it's still there, but you learn mechanisms to like help, uh, kind of like diffuse it and kind of push it in other areas and, and kind of chill. And to your point, man, I mean, again, like I loved every second that I had with my daughter, but it was the same thing every day. And see, you know, this, like some days kids just wake up and they're just pissed off and it's just going right. to be an absolute <laughs> fight from the from the from the jump so yeah i mean there'd be times like my wife would get home like i need you to take her, like because i didn't again you never want to blow up on the kid because you know they don't know what the hell's going on they're right. small they're like hey you're the big one like let's do stuff and yeah man so i mean like that was definitely a struggle too like i mean i know exactly what you're talking about because you don't want to blow up because you don't want them to see that and you know like your anger or your frustration like isn't directly towards them it's literally everything going on how all of a sudden life was what it was and march 13th literally everything changed right and just like at a drop of a hat it's just everything's different now so yeah man i mean it's i i, I feel that a hundred percent on again just like that that frustration that just that ag- just anger really you know i mean that's at least what internalizes for me is just just angry just have everything kind of going on and not being able to go to the park with my kid and not freak out, you know? Well, dude, that was the tough part too, is, you know, they're the, you know, for me, they were, uh, or he was cooped up in the house. So that's of course weighing on him too. So, you know, there were days where he flips his lid and it's just like, okay, shit, how do I fix this? Because he was just so cooped up all the time. And I mean, that weighs on a, 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 a very undeveloped and you know young kid who's just looking to explore so when he's cooped up in a house and the most we can do outside is play in the yard or go for walks and even then we're limited because again mommy and daddy still have to work you know it's tough to understand and you know one of my biggest oh shit moments that i think came from all of it 
is, you know, there was one time I was sitting with him and, um, he, he has this little, this little toy, uh, tablet, basically. It's not an actual tablet. It's just got buttons on it. Cause well, I, and you know, all parents are different obviously, but one of our big things is we don't want our kids having devices too early because we don't want them to get sucked into them. You know, one of one of my biggest struggles personally is with my technology, you know, so I, I don't want them to be as reliant on it as I am. And, you know, he was on his little toy tablet and I went to say something to him and he's like, Finny's working. I'm like, fuck, just because if he would come interrupt me doing something, I'd be like, hey, buddy, daddy's working, you know, give me one second. And I was just like. It's just one of those just heartbreaking moments where to him it's probably not a big deal, but to you, you see it kind of maybe reading into it too much, and it's just like, great, my kid thinks I'm neglecting him for my work. I'm the dad who didn't give his fucking kid the time of day. Uh, dude, I feel that. Brie will do that kind of stuff where, like, yeah, she'll do something, and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, no, that's – that's me. I can't do that kind of stuff anymore. You know, it's like where you get frustrated and like, you kind of bang your hand on something. All of a sudden she starts hitting stuff. I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. No, like I, I can't do that in front of her. Yeah, the, the biggest example of this was uh, a couple weeks ago. First saints game. It's her first like saints game. I'm assuming where she's like, I actually can remember last night, last Saints season. She was a little blob of a human. So I'm obviously yelling at the TV as I do. And all of a sudden she starts going dude hand going like just going in and i was like oh my god oh my god that's me my wife recorded she thought it was hysterical I was like oh sick that's me i can't do that in front of her anymore awesome awesome right. dude <laughs> the, uh, my wife actually yelled at me um not yelled but like mike what are you doing uh because yesterday and it was probably because i hung out with all my buddies the night before and we were just talking and naturally there's buddy talk, and then there's, okay, put the filter on for when the kids are around. Um, mm -hmm. uh, mainly, you know, my oldest, because at this point, he's a sponge. Well, I dropped two F-bombs, which I don't do in front of him. So after the second time, she was like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude. And, okay, now has, has Finn ever said, has he ever cur has he cursed yet or no? Um, yeah, he has, I think, what did he say? Um, I think he said shit once. I was in the car, and I forgot what had happened. I either got off the phone, or I was on the phone, or someone cut me off or something, and I just said, shit. And he repeated it, and I'm just like, no, buddy, don't say that. Daddy shouldn't have said that. And then it's like, he'll say that, but God forbid daddy says shut up, you know? And then it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, because this is when I realized, because just naturally I've always been like this. I don't, I just curse a lot when I talk. When I get going, it just kind of happens. And it's an unconscious thing. I've always been like this, and I don't know why. And my wife's always been like, Corey, you need to watch what you say, right? I'm like, Dude, she's like, she's not going to say it. I'm telling you, I'm so glad we were in quarantine because for two weeks that kid said "fuck" in perfect context every time. Oh she God. would drop, dude. She would drop a toy, like ah, fuck, and I'm like, oh, 
good lord, yeah, dude. So at that point, I text my parents because my mom and my dad were always like, Corey, you need to stop. Like, I don't even realize it. I'm like, she's going to be like, no, you need to stop. Dude, I text my dad. My dad called me laughing. He thought it was hysterical. I was like, I told you it was going to happen. I am so glad we were quarantined and she didn't bust that out at my grandma's house. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was yeah. impressive. Well, dude, they, uh, yeah, man, like, they get to that certain age, and it's, dude, you really gotta watch. Like, dude, even music in the car, um, I'm very selective about the music I listen to in the car with, with, uh, with the kids, just because, you know, Finn's at that age where he will repeat stuff, like, um, so if I know, like, if I'm listening to something that's fairly mild, but I know there's one part where they're about to drop an F-bomb or something, I just quickly turn the sound down and then turn it right back up. Just because I don't want him to hear it and repeat it because chances are he will. Um, but one of my favorite things that Finn did to me recently, um, he he had started telling me something one morning and I was in the process of getting Collins ready and he had said something to me and I, I was paying attention but I didn't give him the response I think he was looking for. And, dude, I shit you not, he just looks up at me and he just goes, all right, good talk. I'm like, <laughs> what? I was like, I was just taken back. I'm like, this kid just really good talked me. I was like, I'm not oh, even mad about it. Like, move. I'm what like, right. Move. Like, I was like, dude, I'm not even mad. Like, good for you. <laughs> um, and, dude, you call it a power move. Speaking of power moves. So, I think we all remember Quinn and Williams from the Jets when he sneezed during a live interview and said, bless you, thank you. Um, he blessed himself and then thanked himself. Finn actually did yeah. the same thing the other day. Like if, And he does it regularly. Like If he sneezes and no one says, bless you, he'll just be like, bless you, thank you. I'm like, never going to tell you not to do that because if you can pull off a power move like that, good for you. That establishes dominance. Dude, you can't teach comedic timing like that. Like, uh... My daughter has started to do, like, she will be in the middle of laughing and just stop it and do an angry face and then start laughing again. It is, I don't know where she got that from, but, dude, it is hysterical. <laughs> and you can't teach shit like that. You no. can't teach comedic timing like that. I'm like, no. that is awesome. <laughs> dude, kids are kids are hilarious, man. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen with them or what they're going to say. It's it's freaking amazing. Um <sighs> But uh, moving on here, as we got a little bit of time left, so I, you know, I kind of tease this as well. Um, but you know, one of the things we constantly talk about is the NFL, specifically Saints. Um, and right now, you know, let's just kind of unpack this a little bit. I'll just ask you. I think I think people, you know, that are listening to this probably read the blog enough to know my thoughts on what's happening in the NFL. But you know, uh, kind of unpack this like pandemic football. You know, it kind of went from zero to a hundred because there was no preseason. So overall on the season, what's been your thoughts on uh, the 2020 NFL season thus far? The NFL season as a whole, um, they've, all right. So they had something to go off of. I'm also like a massive soccer fan. I've followed Tottenham Hotspur for probably 15 years now. So like, I'm a big premier league fan. I follow, like I like watching Serie A, the Italian league as well. And like those leagues started early. 
like before, obviously, like football. So I felt like the NFL kind of had that to go on. And they've done a decent job. Uh, what? I mean, I think the Pats-Chiefs game got delayed, but, like, that's being played. I mean, we're recording this on a Monday. It's being played right now. Like, yeah. they've done a really good job of, like, nipping that in the bud really quick, which is nice. Um, like I said, because you had all these, like, World Football Leagues starting. So, like, the NFL, like I said, they at least had – a blueprint to kind of run off of because those teams were traveling and stuff. I mean, obviously they didn't have fans, but like they're traveling to away stadiums. So like there's travel involved and they're doing all that. But I mean, as far as the COVID protocol, it's done really well. Um, and honestly, man, I mean, the seasons, the teams are playing out like they should. I mean, the chiefs look absolutely incredible. Patrick Mahomes, there, there's no like post Super Bowl slump with that kid. He no. is insane, dude. Lamar Jackson is an absolute monster as well like they're playing really well i mean there's nobody that's coming out that you're like oh like they should have been like on paper they should be playing a lot better than they are right now like, well, dude, I one, of the, one of the things i discovered recently um because i mean you you've read pieces from the hotard huddle you know what to expect with it at this point that a lot of the things i write i get very analytical with i dive very deeply into numbers and just data on what's happening around the league. And one of the things I discovered, so the NFL as a whole is averaging 25.4 points per team each game. Um, that's that's the average team score each week. And since the merger, so you're talking decades worth of football, it's the highest it's ever been, and I think a big reason for that, number one, early in the season, we know that teams tend to score higher rates just because it takes it takes a while for defenses to sort of get dialed in and then um, start slowing offenses down. Um, but two, having no preseason, I mean, dude, they've been lighting up the freaking scoreboard week in, week mm-hmm. out. Um, as we're sitting here recording this, I'm kind of half paying attention to the Packers game on because... Aaron Rodgers, fantasy quarterback. I need him to get 40 points, which isn't going to happen. But I'm still going to pay attention attentively and uh, talk my shit in uh, my fantasy group. But um, No, dude, it's been good, man. It, it's just been nice to have football back. You know, I wrote this in my uh, Monday Not-So-Morning Thoughts for Week 1. The first Sunday of football was probably the first time I have felt a sense of normalcy since all this shit started um and it was because i was sitting there i'm watching red zone i'm checking my fantasy team it was just like okay cool i finally have something that i'm used to doing so it was good and it's it's been good to have football back as a whole now obviously hopefully you know covid doesn't take hold of the league i hope this doesn't start an uncontrollable outbreak um but, you know, going away from football and you want to talk about COVID and handling it properly, dude, uh, the NBA has completely hammered down the bubble idea. And I think that has been so damn constructively good just because they they hosted all of it in Disney World at the Worldwide of Sports Complex. They basically quarantined off the team staying in hotels and eventually as the as the number of teams got smaller – they minimize the hotels and everything like that. Like NBA, if there's one thing to be said about the NBA, they're always ahead of the curve. And I think that's why they have such a stranglehold more so than the NFL and uh, Major League Baseball on 
the 18 to 49 demographic people the the youth of america watches basketball from all demographics of the spectrum here and it's because they're just so damn progressively good at hammering down uh societal issues stuff like that so them creating that bubble infrastructure and the nhl did this too and it it, dude it's worked great um but I, I am starting to wonder, though, as more cases come with the NFL, if that's what we're going to be seeing, maybe them taking a potential two-week break to kind of let the COVID cases play out and then implement a bubble uh, for the NFL because they can't keep having to postpone games because eventually that's just going to kill them. Yeah, but, I mean, it's also to that point, though, like, I don't know if I – mean, just, I mean, you think of the amount of money that's in it. Like, I don't know if they can – not that they can't, they can afford it, but if they want to lose that much revenue and that's like a two weeks fan, I think they're going to end up in probably implementing like stricter protocols. But even you look at like what happened Sunday where like they said, okay, there's a potential positive case with the saints. They retest as a go. It's a false positive. They retested everybody else that was in contact and also tested, like they tested negative. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully like by quarantining those people that, did test positive. They test all the contact tracing because the, the PGA Tour has also done this too. And the PGA Tour, other than in like the very beginning of the restart, they haven't had any issues. And again, they're traveling city to city. And it, the way it would work is if somebody tested positive, they would contact trace everybody and test them. And if they all test negative, it was like, you know, it was cool or whatever. So like they kind of had a system too. So like, the NFL just has so many other sports leagues to really kind of pull from. Like you said, dude, the NBA did it spot on man i mean that bubble they had everything i was listening to uh, a, a golf podcast or talking to some of the nba players and they're like oh no like any any course in, in the on the disney property we wanted to play we called they got a shuttle like dude they literally could do anything there was everything on that in campus i guess more or less yeah for them to do like it was it was perfect yeah and uh right now of course they're in the middle of the finals and that dude the playoffs for the nba have been fantastic um this has probably been one of my favorite playoffs in recent memory, um, just because they um, one. I think there was a lot of unexpected things to happen, like the Heat making it to the finals, and they've been incredibly fun to watch. And then um, it's just good to see LeBron back in the hunt for the postseason. So um, overall, and, and dude, this is the other. This is the other thing, like having all these sports to choose from at once. You know, the sports fan and people right now is just like, holy shit, what do I do with myself? Like, the second NFL started and I'm having to sit here and choose between NFL and NBA, I'm just like, fuck, what do I do? My head's going to explode. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we always had, but it's like early NBA season. Like, no, 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 like we're NBA finals right now. Exactly. Football starting. Like, dude, there's so much going on. You're right. Like, the sports fan and everybody has some really massive ADD because we're jumping from everything like you're watching a football game and you, you're, you're looking at stats for the basketball game or you know I'm streaming a golf like the final round of a tournament and I'm watching this because again like the PGA Tour their first major is going to be in November it's going to be the Masters so it's like all of a sudden now I'm going to have to watch football and the final round of the Masters which I've never had to do before well dude it's you know for me it's it's crazy because I have my routine on how I watch sports so you know from Week one of the NFL till the Super Bowl, everything I watch is NFL. I don't watch anything else at the time. 
Um, you know, September to February is strictly NFL. I don't watch any NBA until the postseason because NBA is one of those sports where I don't need to watch until the postseason because there are certain teams that just coast throughout the regular season, do what they can to get get the high seed, get the one or the two or even the three seed, and then come playoff time, the good teams buckle down, actually play some fucking defense, and you you see teams just sort of tighten up there's a there's a very there's a very marathon approach to the nba baseball i mean honestly i just couldn't give a sh- less of a shit about it at this point um i just nothing about baseball excites me anymore so um in that lull period where we're waiting for nba postseason and the nfl is wrapped up then it becomes all about the NFL draft. You know, I start just kind of researching that. I start doing previews for the NBA playoffs, stuff like that. Um, and, and again, there's just kind of that, that lull period. But NFL draft keeps me entertained. Um, and then come come June, you know, it's, it's hardcore. Or May, I guess. It's hardcore NBA playoffs. And then... You know, come July, it's fantasy football, and then we're right back into football season. So it's like it's it's the perfect mix. But having all that at once, having to choose between NBA playoffs, which is one of my favorite playoff setups, and NFL, it's just like shit. What do I do? Um, but dude, one of the crazy things is fantasy football right now. You know, um, I. I I'm commissioner of the league that I've been running for the last couple of years. And one of the things that I implemented that I'm sort of writing about in the Monday, not so morning thoughts this week is how to deal with COVID from a fantasy standpoint. Because dude, like for me, I had James Connor, um, and the Steelers defense and then a couple other people obviously had guys like Juju. So there's, there's anytime a team gets hit with COVID and there's a postpone, you, it's like, well, what happens until they make the decision? So we put some rules in place to just kind of make it more user-friendly and have contingency plans while not automatically having to jump the gun on sitting your best players. So I wrote about that in this week's uh, column, which I'll, uh, for anyone listening, be sure to check that out. You'll kind of get some tips if you want to, some strategies on ways to do it a little bit better than just kind of having to just roll with the dice, I guess, so to speak. But dude, it's, it's crazy right now, but it's, it is nice to just have sports back. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you were saying, like the kind of felt normal. I've always, I've watched saints football with my dad since I can literally remember. Like I've always watched with my dad, even when I moved out, a band that I moved in together, we got married. I still go to my parents' house and I watch football with my dad. And this Sunday, like, they came to our house, and we sat, we watched the Saints game. And like you said, it's like, for those couple hours, like, life was kind of back to normal. Like, we were hanging out at my house. My dad and I were watching the game. We were talking back and forth about it. And it just, it felt good, man. Like, it's just, it felt good to have sports back. But like you said, dude, I have Derrick Henry. Now, I got super lucky that Tavius Murray had a decent game, put me up <laughs> some points. But I, dude, Derrick Henry's been absolutely destroying yeah. stuff lately, but I had to put him on the bench. I was upset. Well, dude, I have uh, in my in my dynasty league that I have. So my starting lineup this week, and I got crushed. Um, and I'm I'm not too worried about it because it is a dynasty league, and I have a lot of injuries. But my starting running backs heading into the season were going to be Christian McCaffrey and then Cam Akers. Um, 
And this past week, I wound up starting uh, James White and um, Latavius Murray, which Latavius Murray obviously worked out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went down, so I'm starting Carson Wentz. Um, our receivers, I, I'm actually okay there. I'm not I'm not sure how they're doing. I know the Falcons don't have a touchdown yet, but I have both Julio and Ridley. Um, but at this point, because of the injuries and shit, I'm just like, dude, whatever. Like, if people don't play and I'm starting dog shit, I'm not panicking. It's a dynasty league, and if I made a trade this offseason that gave me potentially two top 15 picks, so it's like if I end up losing and I get earlier picks – whatever i'm fine with that because i was yeah uh, you know i finished second uh last year and again like i still have christian mccaffrey so once he comes back that's automatically gonna put me over in a fucking full point ppr league so oh dude he is that's an incredible running back and again like aside the fact that carolina is in the division and i hate them with everything inside of me you got to look at him objectively dude's good he's just good at football yeah he's uh dude i was i was thrilled because i think i got him with the second maybe the third pick i think the third pick actually he fell to me at three i think in the dynasty because last year was our first year drafting and it went mahomes barkley and mccaffrey and i was just like i just got touched by an angel the second mccaffrey fell (laughs) so saquon barkley man the fact that he plays for the giants breaks my heart that man is so good at football and plays for such a bad team right now he's he's not playing at all i I I think (laughs) i think saquon just reached jamal charles territory for me because i've drafted him the last two years in my in my big money league that i give the most shits about and it's because Number one, I'm commissioner, so that automatically comes with the premise of you're going to get talk shit to the most. Um, But, yeah, he's fucked me the last two years, and it it is unfortunate to see everything that's happening with him because, dude, like one of my friends said, he just runs different. Like, you watch him run, and it's very similar to what Bo Jackson looked like. He's just – he's that good of an athlete. Oh, yeah, just big and runs. Doesn't run downhill, runs standing tall, but runs over people, can can make people, can cut on a dime, make people miss. And it's just, you hate to see, again, what, he blew out his ACL, it's like, he's done. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, it's just like the injuries and then just playing for just such an absolute dumpster fire of a club right now. <laughs> right. It's awful, dude. It, it sucks. Like, I I feel bad for him. You look at people like uh, like Matt Stafford. I mean, I texted, I texted this to you. Like, Matthew Stafford and any other decently run club has gone really far in the playoffs if not close to a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. he's tough as nails. Kid can throw the ball. You look at, like, I mean, I'm concerned with Joe Burrow's going to run into that in Cincinnati. Yeah, dude, he's throwing a lot and he's getting hit a lot. Um, yeah. Dude, one of my favorites, and again, I wrote this in the weekly column, but Philip Rivers playing with Indy. I'm loving seeing what's happening there. Like, dude, I've always been a big Philip Rivers fan. I just love that he's just this, like, typical white boy i guess like he sounds very prim and proper he doesn't curse but he talks so much shit like yeah, i don't i don't know if you've seen the clip of him talking shit to roquan smith um pre-snap this week dude just another glorious case of philip rivers talking that shit not dude i i want to see him have another deep run but before we wrap up here last question for you um even though it's a little early, uh, let's hear it. Who do you have in this year's Super Bowl? Oh, Christ. All right, I'm going to tell you who I want. Obviously, I, I, 
I feel like we've gotten robbed the past couple of years through not a couple bad calls and bad, bad play calling on our part. I want the Saints to make it. I, I still think we're kind of there. But, dude, from the NFC, you look at, like, at, at Green Bay right now. Dude, they're playing so well. Um, so I'd say, uh, as of right now, I'm going maybe Green Bay. And, dude, I don't see many people stopping the Chiefs. Yeah. I, I can see a Green, and Green Bay in Kansas City. You know, I mean, it's, dude, like, Pat is a hard man to stop. And, like, honestly, like, I agree. I mean, uh, uh, Kansas City and Baltimore are kind of interchangeable. Like Lamar Jackson is just such a good athlete as well. Like, kind of brings the, that same the, that same energy. The thing with Lamar, though, and you saw this in the Chiefs game, he does not know how to play from behind. Um, the Ravens are very much a pedal to the metal, get out in front, and they will punish you. But the problem is, come playoff time, defenses tighten up, or when they play against real good football teams. You'll see this where they just lose their identity for what they are. And I don't know if that's more of a Lamar Jackson issue or a John Harbaugh issue. Um, but that's that's kind of my beef with the Ravens. But I, I agree. I think the Chiefs are pretty much the shoe-in for the AFC until someone proves otherwise. Um, and, dude, I'm loving that Andy Reid is just basking in all this because he's also one of my favorite coaches and we were talking about this last week his offense is so much fun to watch with Mahomes like they're running fucking flag football trick plays at this point like like do the like do the shovel pass to Sherman last week for the touchdown I was just like Jesus Christ dude only Andy Reid's gonna pull that off um but I, I I agree with the Chiefs um, and then, dude, Packers look really good in the NFC right now. I, I'm trying to remember who I had um, coming out of the NFC this year. I, I Oh, it was the Bucks. I did have the Bucks coming out of the mm-hmm. NFC. Um, and Brady looked good this past week. And, you know, for all the questions about him in week one, which I thought were bullshit. Um, yeah, the, he couldn't go by that. No, like he had two really miserable throws, but overwhelmingly he did all right. I think the Bucks are all right, but yeah, it's hard to look at the Packers right now and say otherwise, and even the Seahawks too, with the way Russell Wilson's fucking playing. Oh my so. god, dude, that kid, that kid is so good, and again, I feel like he gets so underplayed. Like he is again, dude, he's such a good quarterback. I mean, you look at the numbers this kid's putting up, and it's it's so impressive. And again, I feel like he's just under the radar. Just yeah, I don't know. I feel like you don't hear too much about that. No, and, you know, the fact he hasn't gotten a single MVP vote in his career is uh, just a tragedy. The fact he hasn't been voted All-Pro ever is uh, insane. So I hope he continues on the war path he's on. He's leading the league right now in touchdown passes. Um, You know, uh, right now the MVP is his to lose, and I know it's early and there's a long way to go, but, dude, I want him to keep up the the dominance he's having um, just because – Dude, Russell Wilson fucking deserves it at this point. So. Oh, he does. But um, other than that, man, I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, for those who are listening, um, again, uh, this is my buddy Corey Ross. I'll uh, go ahead and put his two uh, photography and videography businesses in the bio. So be sure to check that out. And as always, honor the huddle. This episode is sponsored by Cheers for Ears. No Disney trip or Disney theme party is complete without your very own character-customized Mickey ears. 
That's right. Any theme you want made right into your Mickey ears or Mickey hat. They're festive, fun, and affordable. For my family's next Disney trip, I purchased our very own Mike and Sully themed hats for my son and I. We absolutely love them and will use them for our trips here on out. Get your very own custom ears and let them make your dreams come true so you can look great and live your happily ever after in good fashion for your next trip. Receive 10% off if you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. That's Cheers for Ears. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers for Ears. Visit the information section on the episode or HotardHuddle.com for more information about their social pages and email. Again, Cheers for Ears. Receive 10% off your purchase when you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. So bring some added magic to your next Disney trip with Cheers for Ears. Thank you for tuning in to the Hotard Huddle podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the 1st and 15th of every month at HotardHuddle.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle.